the sports fan with you here at ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along this Thursday afternoon. And per usual on Thursdays, we're treated by the presence of Jake Duran of Local 3 Sports. And he's kind enough to give us his time. And, boy, Jake, I tell you what, I am really glad that we have you here today uh, because it is our first show post the NFL draft. And, you know, we kind of did a mashup last week. You were on my show. I was on your show. We talked a little NFL draft and previewed the draft, what was going on. And, you know, now we get the chance to recap, see how close we were to predicting <laughs> what came true and uh, be able to evaluate that. First and foremost, though, what's up, man? How are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm doing better. I was a little, uh, obviously, with the, with the whole NFL draft last weekend, um, I was excited as anybody as, as a, a known Packer fan. I was looking forward to, to them going in and, and getting Aaron Rodgers some weapons along with everyone else. I had them, you know, potentially picking up a wide receiver early on in the draft. But obviously things went completely the opposite way, shocking picks pretty much throughout the whole draft but i'm glad i was able to come on on or today on thursday and not you know monday i was i've been able to kind of register what has happened kind of you know get get my thoughts on it a little bit more straightened out and and kind of put things in perspective on just exactly what matt lafleur and in general manager brian gutekunst was was thinking while they were doing that um and i'm, I'm excited to talk about it man i think um there's a lot of Packer fans that have the right to be very angry and upset. And then I also want to potentially be able to talk them down off the ledge just a little bit. Um, and, and then obviously look ahead to the future, which I, it, all signs are pointing that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst are looking towards the future a little bit more than the present. I think they're trying to walk a fine line of, of keeping themselves in contention Obviously, the Packers coming off a very strong year, but also planning for the future. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to be here today to talk about it. And, and like I said, I was, I'm a huge fan of the NFL draft. I think a lot of teams um, did themselves huge favors. And, and I think a lot of teams, um, for the most part, had really strong drafts. I mean, there's only a handful of teams where you can kind of sit back, the Packers being one of them, and question what they were doing. But other than that, I feel like, most of the teams in the NFL kind of hit a home run in this draft. Well, Jake, first and foremost, though, before we get into the Packers, I love the virtual draft. I love this more than the in-person draft because you get those kind of moments with their families, the players, and seeing their reaction, what have you. I mean, what did you think? Oh, and I have to mention the de-evolution of Roger Goodell from day one to day three was just phenomenal. But, man, I'm a huge fan of this virtual draft. Yeah, you know, it, it ended up being a little bit more laid back, a little bit more um, down to earth. Like you said, it was it was very interesting to see, you know, coaches' homes, general managers' homes, um, you know, players and in, in their families. You know, it, it made it a lot more intimate. It's not your normal um, players at home with a huge party of people, you know, friends, uh, distant family members all huddled around. It was more intimate of a setting, and I really did enjoy that. I mean – you know, the thing that stuck out to me, and I know it was talked about uh, during the draft, was, was Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, you know, you see all these coaches with their, with their wives and their children um, huddled up around them and stuff. And then you got Cliff Kingsbury sitting in his multi-million dollar mansion with a huge fire pit, um, huge windows. And, and I know if, if you watch the draft, if you're listening, and you know exactly what I'm talking about with his feet kicked up. It was, 
it was it was so funny that he was it was the ultimate flex by a a young up and coming head coach. But I, but I do agree with you. I think things went fairly smoothly. I kind of like the format they had during the draft. Um, you know, Roger Goodell, uh, he did a great job normally in a normal draft after I think it's the first couple rounds he'd have he'd have uh, another person come up there and and and, and select the picks or announce the picks and and yeah it was really funny seeing him you know have all the energy in that first and second round but I think he probably reflected what everyone is feeling by the time he hit the fourth fifth sixth round it's almost like you're in it but you're still just it's kind of getting a little bit old so um, I was just ready for to see him sleeping at some point but but overall with all the questions going into it with, with you know obviously technology and things I think it went really really smoothly and and for the NFL, I think it was a big home run for them. Absolutely. And, you know, I was thankful to see there were no technological uh, glitches, what have you. And I was expecting one, but thankfully uh, we were able to avoid that. The NFL draft turned out to be a really fun event, as it always is, and maybe even more so this year. But, uh, Jake, you know, talking about your Packers, you're our Packer diehard that comes here on ESPN-UP. And, you know, and, and I respect this about you, Jake, is throughout the weekend and, you know, throughout the last week or so, uh, a lot of Packer fans have acted as if the sky is falling. I don't blame them for doing so. I, I feel there are a lot of Packer fans that have the right to be angry. But uh, you've never gotten to that point, Jake, and I respect that about you. You know, you you look at things positively. You know, you're always a glass-half-full guy, and I, I appreciate that about you. But your thoughts now that you've had a little time to digest here a week uh, after the NFL draft and your thoughts on the Packer draft class? Yeah, you know, um, you know, obviously everyone, whether it be just the Packer fans, the beat writers for the teams, the national media, um, all expected Green Bay to go a certain way. And the Packers, Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, decided that they were going to do something completely different, completely 180 from what people were thinking. And, and um, I'm not saying that Packer fans didn't have the right to, to act the way they did. Um, you know, like you, you kind of described it as the sky was falling because they didn't. Um, I think there was a shock factor. I mean, when Jordan Love got picked, because they moved up to get him, um, I, I, I literally drew a blank for the few, first few minutes after he was selected. I couldn't register exactly what they did. And then not only that, and then you go to the second, third rounds and beyond, and they still don't get Aaron Rodgers a weapon, signifying that, hey, maybe they're looking more towards the future when Green Bay was in the NFC Championship. They were in the NFC Championship game, but they were not ever in the game, um, obviously getting blown out by the 49ers. But um, a lot of people thought they were just a few pieces away from, from potentially making it to the Super Bowl and, and uh, playing for another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers under center. Um, like you said, man, I tried to stay positive. I, didn't, I, I had an urge to go on and, and start questioning what the Packers were doing. I, I never got to the point where it was like, oh, let's fire Brian Gutekunst. Fire Matt Lafleur. These guys don't know what they're doing. They're destroying the team. I think that was a little, uh, a little dramatic, if you could say. Um, and I know a lot of Packer fans were saying it, but like you said, man, I was trying to look at it from um, what they were thinking when you know they were making these picks. Um, the Jordan Love pick is obviously the biggest surprise. Moving up a few spots to get him um, signifies that yes, the Packers are looking for for Aaron Rodgers' replacement. I mean, there's no looking around that. Um, I don't think they want it to happen this offseason. I don't think they want it to happen next offseason. But um, you heard Brett Favre uh, go on 
an interview yesterday and say that he doesn't think Aaron's going to finish his his Packer career in Green Bay, and I have to agree with him. Now, I don't think it's going to be for another two, three years, but I think it's it, it, the, the realistic situation is they brought Jordan Love in, and Matt LaFleur wants to get a guy in that is going to be he, – he's going to be able to mold in his system. Um, Aaron Rodgers has made a career being kind of like a freestyle quarterback. Um, he makes plays. He's been asked to put the team on his shoulders and win games throughout his whole career with no supporting cast. And um, the type of quarterback he has become, he's, he's become kind of a guy that likes to break the mold out of the offense under Mike McCarthy. McCarthy basically was like, uh, I'm going to set up, I'm going to call plays, but really it's up to you to make, make things go. And Matt LaFleur coming in in his system, he needs a quarterback that can play within the system. And that means everything is timing. Aaron Rodgers is the ultimate guy who doesn't go off timing. He likes to run around, you know, pat the ball. We've seen him dance in the pocket. And then when things break down, he likes to make that play. And that's just not how uh, Matt LaFleur wants to work. And, and honestly, that's not how you're efficient in that system. Aaron Rodgers left a lot on the field last year. I went to a game. I saw a lot of wide receivers open that Aaron missed. And even when watching at home on a television, there was plays he left on the field. There was receivers open, but he just didn't see them because the, the timing was off there. So um, that Jordan Love pick obviously signifying that, yes, the Packers might be looking towards the future. Um, and I have to agree with Brett Favre. I don't think Aaron Rodgers finishes his career in Green Bay, now that I've had time to kind of register what has happened and things like that, you don't trade up to get a quarterback in the first round um, if, if you want him to kind of sit. Maybe if Aaron plays at a high level and Jordan Love isn't that guy that they think he is, maybe they try to fix that uh, relationship with Aaron and then they trade Jordan Love. I don't really know how it's going to work. It all depends on how Aaron Rodgers reacts. No one really knows. We have reports, reports coming out left and right about this is how Aaron feels. This is how Aaron's going to act. This is what he's going to do. And no one's really ever heard it from Aaron Rodgers, so you can't really say. Now, you can look back at Aaron's history and say, yes, this guy's kind of a diva. He has a big ego. He thinks everything um, revolves around him, and that might be true. But until I see it happen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the benefit of the doubt. And I, I don't think Aaron's going to you know, be best friends with Jordan Love, but I don't think he's going to ever say no if Jordan asks for, for help or anything like that. Um, and, and the thing is, is Jordan Love has to beat out Aaron Rodgers at quarterback before any of this happens um, in these next two years, uh, two, three years. Aaron could demand a trade in two, three years, but it's not going to happen. People are saying, oh, Aaron should demand a trade right now. They should trade Aaron Rodgers this offseason. And, and the fact of the matter is they cannot do that for two years. It is financially impossible for them to do that. Now, Aaron could act a fool. He could, you know, sit out. He could fake an injury. That very well can happen. I just don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be that type of person. I think he has matured a little bit in his career, and I think he's going to do uh, he's going to do the right thing at least for for the time being. Now, at some point, this might, you know, things might hit the fan and things. But for now, I think um, Aaron's going to be there. And if anything, the Packers have a a backup quarterback in case Aaron gets injured who at least gives them a shot at winning games. I mean, in the past when Aaron goes out for long periods of time, it's pretty much the Packers go from a top-10 team to the worst team in the league. I don't know if there's another team in the NFL where if their quarterback goes gets hurt, the, the drop-off is that significant from their starter to their backup to where basically it's, it's hopeless. Um, Matt LaFleur is trying to make it in his system – which is run-oriented. It's not a run-first offense. I think people are getting this mistaken. It's not run-first. 
It's run-oriented. The run sets up the pass. We are definitely going to see Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers sling the ball around a lot. It's just not going to be in the same style as, as last year. I mean, the Packers personnel was fit to where Mike McCarthy had it, where, you know, you have a lot of wide receivers. Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst decided our defense is more of a mess. Let's fix the defense in the first offseason. They did that very well. They still were stuck with some old personnel. So LaFleur was being smart with it. He said, we're going to run some of my stuff, but we're going to let Aaron do some of his stuff he likes because that's what the personnel we have is, is good with. Now they're able to get some of Matt LaFleur's guys in, those second, third-round picks, bolster that offensive line. Now we're going to see Matt LaFleur do more of, of a run-oriented offense and open up the passing game for Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's going to be tough for defenses to stop Aaron Rodgers off a of play action when they get that run game going. Um, and the receivers aren't as important of a position under a Matt LaFleur offense because the, the run and play action is going to open these guys up. The thing that the Packers had difficulty doing in the receiving core is getting open. Uh, but now I think Matt LaFleur's offense is going, going to help them with that type of situation. Um, so that, that's my take on, on the first pick, obviously. And, and like I said, the A.J. Dillon pick, that's going to help the Packers move Aaron Jones around because now you're going to be able to kind of – take Jamal Williams and Aaron or A.J. Dillon and switch them in the backfield. You can now move Matt, uh, Aaron Jones out into the slot. You can have him doing a lot of sweet type of things. Um, he's shown he's a, a good pass catcher, and it, it helps on his, his body. I mean, the guy's not going to take as much of a beating, and I just think it, it opens up options for Matt LaFleur. Um, that Joe, Josiah DeGuara pick, I mean, yes, he, he can play fullback. He can be an H-back, but if you look at his tape, this guy is a pass-catching first tight end that, that at Cincinnati ran a lot of things that Matt LaFleur likes to do. He, uh, DeGuara can come out of that backfield and catch, catch balls out in the flats. He can do some wheel passes out in the flats. Now Matt LaFleur is going to be able to have um, different person or the same personnel in different formations where defenses are not going to know where the ball is going to be going to because you're going to have guys coming, coming across with sweeps. You're going to have guys coming out of the backfield being passing threats. Obviously, you'll still have the receivers. And, um, I, I mean, no, they didn't help Aaron with the receiver position, get another weapon, but to say that they never, they didn't help Aaron at all on, on the offensive side of the ball, I think that's crazy. I just think they did it in a different way. I think we're going to see, uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers have a better season than last year. I think his, his yards are going to go up, and I think he's going to become motivated, obviously, with that Jordan Love pick. So, And then, you know, you bolster that offensive line in the sixth round. Now, a lot of these guys aren't going to be uh, starting right away for you or anything, but you're going to get depth, and maybe a few years down the road, you're going to get some guys on that offensive line that are going to be able to you know play significant time for you. And then obviously those last few picks, those defensive players, um, you know, are going to be depth picks and, and be competition in camp. I think that seventh-round pick, that Gavin guy out of Miami is going to come in and at least push Rashawn Gary a little bit. You know, it's all about building competition in, in, in the offseason, and I think the Packers did that. So um, Packer fans have a right to be, out, to be out there, you know, mad, angry, um, you know, questioning what Green Bay is doing. But I think you got it's, it's a wait-and-see thing. I think we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Let them uh, do what they do best, and then, you know, if, if next year if they fall off or in the next couple years or Aaron Rodgers blows up in their face and things like that, then, you know, you, uh, you know I'll be eating a lot of crow, obviously, but um, then you can talk. But um, for right now, I think it's kind of a wait-and-see thing, and if you really look at it and kind of try to get an idea of what they were thinking, I think 
you know, the draft, it wasn't great, but I don't think it's as bad as people are thinking it is. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you here in ESPN-UP. Man, you had some great stuff there that I do want to break down, uh, specifically with uh, uh, Brett Favre's comments yesterday. We'll do so after the break here in ESPN-UP. Hello, this is Kelly George, President and CEO of MBank. We understand that there is a lot of uncertainty right now, but you can rest assured knowing your money is safe and secure with MBank. We remain in sound financial condition with strong levels of capital and liquidity to serve your financial needs, and our dedicated and experienced staff is here to help you through this challenging time. We have created a COVID-19 loan relief program to help alleviate some of the financial pressures you may face as a result of illness or workplace changes. Additionally, MBank is serving as a financial resource to small businesses in our communities, as we will be a primary processor for the various new SBA loan programs as a preferred lender partner of the SBA. As we collectively navigate these uncertain times and work together through social distancing measures to help mitigate the spread of the coronavirus, the safety and well-being of our employees, customers, and the communities we serve remains our top priority. We also remain focused on continuing to provide our essential services to you and thank you for your patience and flexibility. Please stay healthy, please stay safe, and good wishes to you all. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Packer diehard, what have you, and you know you've provided a voice of re- uh, voice of reason for Packer fans. You know you've looked at the draft as a glass half full kind of guy and you said something you know, said a lot of things before the break that caught my interest but one thing that stood out and you mentioned it twice is that you agree with some comments Brett Farr former Packer quarterback made yesterday regarding current Packer quarterback Aaron Rodgers that Favre doesn't believe that Rodgers will end his career in a Packer uniform and you said twice before the break that you agree with uh, with Favre that Rodgers will not retire as a Green Bay Packer. What makes you believe that? Well, obviously the selection of, of Jordan Love. Uh, you don't trade up to get a guy in the first round if you don't think he's going to play um, within a few years. I think uh, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, uh chose uh, Jordan Love saying, you know, he'll sit behind Aaron for a few years, and then uh, when we feel like he's ready, uh, we'll make that move. And um, I mean, it's it's legit. The business Packer fans have a right to be mad. They have a right. If anything, it makes me sad thinking Aaron Rodgers is not going to be the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers at some point in his career. Um, but I mean, the writing's on the wall. A lot of people were super surprised when Brett Favre went on on Aaron and said he doesn't think Green Bay or Aaron Rodgers is going to play in Green Bay his whole career. But I could have told you that last you know last Friday night when they selected Jordan Love. I mean, the writing is definitely on the on the wall there. Um, and it, it, it's part of the business. I mean, we see an all-time great not finish their career um, in in the place where they started. I think most recently, obviously, we've seen Tom Brady go down to Tampa. We talk about guys like Joe Montana, obviously Brett Favre not finishing their career. Um, John Elway is a story that is very rare. It doesn't happen very often in, in the way uh, similar to like a John Elway where he wins a couple of Super Bowls at the end of the career and he, he rides away happy and everything's hunky-dory into the sunset and he's now a legend. It, it doesn't happen that way. It's, it's, it's a business. Some guys hang on too long. And I'm not saying Aaron is, is, should retire because of his skills being diminished. But, but I mean, 
people argued last season that Aaron's ha- Aaron's skill, his his um, quarterbacking is getting worse and worse by the by the year. His QBR is getting worse. Um, you know, he's not looking as his athletic out there. Uh, his his he's uh, slow with his reads and things like that. Like, you know, people are arguing that, and now those same people are this offseason saying, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're going to get rid of Aaron Rodgers." And I'm not saying it's everybody, but I know personally a few people who who have have had that argument last offseason and now saying, uh, "Why are they getting rid of Aaron Rodgers?" So it's just like, what are we really talking about here, guys? All right, now you're just trying to have a reason to, you know, talk about negatively about Green Bay, and that's fine. Green Bay's been winning NFC championships; they've been really consistent. And and I know there's there's Packer fan or Packer, uh, I guess, haters out there that are are hoping that this thing blows up in in the Packers' face. They're terrified that Jordan Love might be another franchise quarterback, and they might have to deal with him terrorizing the NFC North um, for the next 10, 15 years. And that's that's fine. I I understand it. Um, well, you know, we'll get to the NFC North and what everyone else did. I think everyone else in the NFC North had a pretty solid draft. But um, when you go up and get a guy at, at 26 overall, you trade up, you, you uh, obviously bargain and, and throw in a fourth-round pick, you're pretty much sending the message that, hey, this guy's going to be playing here in the next few years. Um, I, I think they're banking on Aaron being a professional player and, and um, obviously taking care of business for these next couple years, competing. Um, you know, being a good quarterback. And then, you know, each year is, is uh, a different year. You got to do this thing year by year and uh, two, three years. I see Aaron Rodgers at three years max um, when, when the dead cap money isn't so large. I mean, it's like 51 million uh, and then like 30 something million next year. I think year three, it's around 17 million, which is more doable. I think they try to, they try to move Aaron and then they use the money that they're going to have to build around Jordan Love, who's going to still be on a rookie deal. They have that fifth round or that fifth year option, and you see teams win Super Bowls with quarterbacks on rookie years. I think they're trying to set it up that way where they can bring guys in, free agents, around Jordan Love on a rookie deal after he has, he's had time to sit behind Aaron and really time it out to where they can make a couple runs at another Super Bowl. Um, that's my thought process. I could be completely wrong about this. But that's just how I feel, and and like I said, it hurts me. I grew up a Green Bay Packer fan. My dad's side of my family lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've been to many, many Packer games. Um, you know, I'm a diehard. I'm emotionally tied to this team, and it hurts to think Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in a Packers uniform. I get it. It's very sad. I didn't feel this way with Favre because I was so young, but, but you know, you get attached to this guy because he's done so many great things for the organization. But the reality is this is a business. Um, Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, they aren't emotionally tied to Aaron Rodgers. They see him as another quarterback um, because they weren't around when he was elite. I don't think he's elite type of guy right now. I think he's an above-average quarterback right now. Um, and they don't, they, they're they going to do what's best for the team and, and what they feel. It's, it's their job to lose, and they're going to do it their way. And, and that's just how I see it, man. And, and it, it is sad to think about it. But I don't see Aaron Rodgers – I definitely don't see Aaron Rodgers finishing his career in Green Bay, and it's it sucks, but it's just the way that that things are playing out. Well, I tell you what, man. What if Rodgers went the Favre route when he left Green Bay? I mean, he's probably not going to go play for the Jets. They have a young quarterback that they feel excited about. But what if Aaron Rodgers is forty years old? and he's wearing a Minnesota Vikings uniform. I mean, you already talked about how conflicted you were emotionally. If that were to come true, how would you feel? 
you know, I, I would obviously, I would, it would hurt. It would definitely hurt. Uh, we saw Brett Favre kind of make a similar move um, going to an NFC. I mean, he went to Minnesota as well. Um, I've had friends that are Chicago Bears fans, even just yesterday, uh, message me a photo, a photoshopped photo of Aaron Rodgers in a Chicago Bears uniform. <laughs> now, these are fans that have <clears throat> absolutely despised Aaron Rodgers his whole career, you know, called him just, you know, all sorts of names and things like that, couldn't stand the guy. And now one mention of him potentially being traded or not being in Green Bay, now they're jumping on the Aaron Rodgers bandwagon. And I don't blame him. He's, a, he's he's still a very, very solid quarterback. Now, will he be that in two, three years? It remains to be seen. But but could I see Aaron Rodgers jumping to an NFC North rival to prove a point and then come back and beat Green Bay? Um, I, I wouldn't put it past him. We saw Brett Favre do it. I think Brett Favre came back and I'm pretty sure the the I think it was was he on the Vikings when they came back and beat Green Bay? I can't mm-hmm. remember. I try to erase that out of my memory, but but Brett Favre wanted to do it and come come make a point and if 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 that's the case then so be it man um at that point you can't really do much about it you're you're gonna have to let aaron do what he wants um i would love to see green bay try to trade aaron if anything um and and get him out of the nfc north obviously i think that would be the best thing for green bay if if that's what it comes to i tell you what jake uh, i want to get your thoughts on jordan love as a quarterback and obviously he's a developmental guy uh, his relationship with Rodgers, what that's going to be going forward, certainly has been called into question. But he's got the intangibles. He kind of resembles Pat Mahomes in the way that he plays. Obviously struggled his last year at college football. But your thoughts on Jordan Love as a quarterback and what his future might be in the NFL? Well, you know, I think he he obviously has all the physical tools. I just watched a video of him yesterday uh, throw the ball 75 yards. Um, he's 6'3", has a rocket arm. Uh, you know, he's very mobile. He can, like you said, he's, he's been compared to Pat Mahomes. Um, I obviously don't think he's as far along as Mahomes was at Texas, coming out of Texas Tech. Um, but there is signs here and there. He makes some Mahomes-type plays. He likes, you know, last year he turned the ball over a lot after a very, very strong 2018 season. I think he threw something like 32 touchdowns and seven picks 2018 season. And then that next year, he lost his entire starting offensive line, his two to three best receivers, uh, his head coach, and most of the coaching staff were out of there. So he was dealing with a lot of turnover. Um, And then, obviously, that 2019 season, I think he threw something like 20 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. And, um, you know, there was times where he was making throws and making interceptions uh, where you kind of think, what what were you seeing there? the thing is, is I think Matt LaFleur thinks he can bring him in, develop him under Aaron for a couple years, and mold him into the quarterback he wants. And that's a quarterback that knows how to hand the ball off, A. B, can get the timing down of the offense. Um, he, he can hit, hit the open guy. As long as he can hit the open guy, he's going to be great. You know, he can move around the pocket and, and make things happen if things break down. Um, so I do think, you know, Jordan Love, he does have the tools. I'm not saying he's going to be Pat Mahomes. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, Aaron Rodgers, which he's shown a lot of uh, comps to Aaron Rodgers as well uh, when he was, you know, running around and making plays, back, back foot throws and things like that. Um, 
I think he has that type of ability. Now it's up to Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff to, to develop him and get him to a point where he's, he's comfortable and, and confident in what, the, what they're trying to do. I, I think what I found most interesting about not only the selection of Jordan Love is, is Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, and, and you cannot tell me this is a coincidence, they drafted a lot of players that Jordan Love was working out with prior to the draft. Um, it's reported that Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, the Packers' fifth-round draft pick, Kamal Martin, were all working out in California for, for four months in our friends uh, uh, you know, off the field. Um, and, and I think that he wanted to bring those type of guys in and targeted those guys, not only because, A, all of those guys fit team needs. I guess A.J. Dillon, I guess you can say, was a luxury pick. But I think Matt LaFleur definitely wanted to get a Kamal Martin in there um, to, to – build really good you know to start building team chemistry and cohesion there uh, there has been a report that in the second round they tried to trade up to get chase claypool the wide receiver out of notre dame and lo and behold chase claypool was also in that group working out out in california you had chase claypool jordan love aj Dillon, and kamal martin all working out together for four months prior to the draft and you cannot tell me that was a coincidence i think they wanted to go up and get their guy at, in jordan love and then bring guys in that would, uh, you know, make Jordan Love happy. Um, they brought in a free agent, a linebacker out of UCLA, who grew up in the same town as Jordan Love. He was a childhood friend with Jordan Love. So they're bringing in guys that, that you know, are, are good for Jordan Love and potentially his development. Um, going back to those two, to the Kamal Martin pick, I, people are kind of overlooking his, his, that pick, that Kamal Martin pick, a guy out of Minnesota, middle linebacker, uh, was a captain. He was injured a little bit last year, so he wasn't able to do a lot of the pro day stuff. But this guy's 6'3", 230 pounds. The last time he ran a 40 was uh, he ran it in a 4'5", 4'6", range. He can get sideline to sideline. He's described as a big hitter, thumper, physical type of player, exactly what the Packers need. Um, I think by the time the fifth round came along, a lot of Packer fans were just over it and didn't really care who Green Bay picked because of that Jordan Love pick. But um, I think that it's a it's obviously a boom or bust pick, but I think the ceiling is really, really high. And if, if uh, Jordan Love ends up being the player that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst think he's going to be and they, they think he they can make him become, then we're all going to have to sit back and, and just, you know, I guess tip our hats to them. Um you know, the world is not crashing down. There's not, you know, everything's going to be okay. Um, but obviously they're they're putting their whole future with this Jordan Love pick. I like what I see right now. I think he has the raw tools, but I think he needs a lot of time to develop, and I think Green Bay knows that, and they're going into it knowing that he's not going to play for a few years. Um, you know, he's going to learn from one of the greatest of all time in Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's a guy uh, that is a perfect mentor. I'm not saying – he has. He's going to be like the mentor for Jaron Love, but he can sit back and watch how Aaron does things, watch him in the film room, watch how he carries himself on the field, in practices, and you can learn a lot from guys like that. So, like I said, Aaron doesn't have to be his best friend, um, but he's going to soak up what Aaron's doing like a sponge. And I, I like, I like the chances of him developing into a very solid quarterback. Is he going to be a superstar? Who knows? It rarely works out that way. But he's going to be like, you know. A, a very solid quarterback if they develop him right and maybe he gets to that level of being you know one of those guys that that's a superstar-ish type of quarterback he definitely has that type of potential 
Tanner Hoopshake Durant with you here in ESPN-UP. Let's take our next time out. When we come back, we'll evaluate the NFC North, how the division overall did in this draft. Next on ESPN-UP. When glass breaks, and it's the kind of a break where your insurance company is going to pay for it, step back for a moment and call timeout. You have the right to select Peninsula Glass and Auto Sales of Ishpeming, and why not? If it's glass, they can fix it. All work is guaranteed, and they will bill your insurance directly. The mobile team at Peninsula Glass will come to you and make repairs. Call for a free estimate and see how the crew can best serve you. They also do residential and heavy equipment repair. Peninsula Glass and Auto Sales, Marquette County's only locally owned and operated auto glass shop, right on US 41 in Ishpeming. Attention small business owners in the Upper Peninsula. We know that being a small business owner was challenging before COVID-19, and now as uncertain economic times unfold, there are new concerns. Please visit www.update906.com for resources to support you, including a UP-based team to help navigate programs designed to help support businesses. Update906.com is your trusted resource. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Hall of Fame has postponed the 2020 induction ceremony until 2021, at which time both the 2020 and 2021 class will be inducted together in the same weekend. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell has voluntarily reduced his salary to nothing, despite it being worth up to $200 million over the course of the next five years in wake of the COVID-19 outbreak. And finally, the female spider monkey has the longest tail of any primate. That is your Sports Center update. Tanner and Jake with you, and we're glad to have you along this Thursday afternoon. We've been talking heavily about the Packers draft, recapping that, Jake. I want to talk about some of their divisional rivals here because you said before the break that you felt like all three of the other NFC North teams had pretty solid drafts. Let's go through each of them. Let's begin with the Lions here. They got some recognizable names. They got Quintez Cephas. I thought kind of at a at a value pick honestly and then early on they had DeAndre Swift they made the obvious move taking Jeff Akuda and filled a need there uh, but the Lions are a team that I thought got better through this draft I don't know how much better I don't know that it's going to move the needle for uh, for them in the immediate future but you know what Jake they have talent on that team and if everybody stays healthy stays together why couldn't that offense be fairly competitive if, if uh, Stafford is able to stay healthy this next year uh, you've got on Johnson who at times he's looked like a pretty darn good NFL running back he created a little competition by adding DeAndre Swift that's never a bad thing Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones they have their moments where they can look like really good NFL wide receivers and then TJ Hawkinson you hope that he takes the next step after taking him eighth overall last year. There's a few picks here with this Lions offense, Jake. I'm excited to see how it pans out. And then defensively, they, you know, of course, lose Trevon Diggs, Darius Slay. They go out and they get guys like Trafant and draft Jeff Akuda. The biggest question for me is going to be their interior defensive line. You know, their pass rush was not good last year, and they, they helped that by drafting a guy like Julian Acora, who was one of the better uh, pass rushing linebackers in college football last year. But unless Danny Shelton has a monster year, that interior defensive line is going to be the biggest question mark for me. 
Yeah, um, I thought the Lions definitely hit a home run in this draft. I really think they they were able to fix a lot of holes in you know on offense and on defense a little bit. Um, I do like obviously the Okuda pick. I know Lions fans are happy that the you know Bob Quinn actually went with you know what people wanted to see and and didn't try to get too cute with it. Um, normally, I think Lions fans leave the draft thinking that their team has messed it up. And just talking with my uh, friends that are Lions fans, they are, are pretty happy with how the draft um, kind of panned out for Detroit. I mean, they're a little bit, you know, saying we're going to wait and see. We don't want to get too excited and, you know, have a huge disappointment because the history in, in Detroit isn't that great. But um, I do think they're taking steps in, in the right direction. Um, like you said, Okuda, he has the, the abilities he has the potential to be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL um, coming out of Ohio State. You see what Ohio State does with the defensive backs. You see Marshawn Lattimore um, over there in New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans. You see guys like um, Denzel Ward, who was a fourth overall pick. People question that pick by the Cleveland Browns, and he stepped in and done very good. They're, they like to consider themselves DBU, and, and I don't think you can kind of – you know, you can argue with the, just the production. They they develop guys there at OSU. They get them ready for the NFL. Normally, the transition from Ohio State, a big stage, a team that that plays on big stages, plays in big games, demands greatness, kind of runs themselves as an NFL team already. The transition is pretty much seamless for guys coming out of there, and we see a lot of Ohio State players, a lot of superstars come out of that that uh, program. So. Um, you got to be happy with that Jeff Okuda pick. M- match him up with, like you said, Desmond Trufant. Um, you got a pretty good, solid secondary there. So um, that's that was definitely a good pick. Uh, like you said, the DeAndre Swift pick. That kind of he kind of fell. He was some people had him considered as the best running back in in the whole draft. Uh, a lot of people thought he might go later in that first round. Obviously, you saw Kansas City get Clyde Edward Edwards Hilaire. Um, so that kind of left the door open for Detroit to swoop up Swift. And like you said, man, that just creates competition. I said it when I was talking about the Packers in the offseason creating competition at certain uh, skill skill positions. I think that helps with on Johnson. Now you bring a guy that's threatening your job, and you're going to be more focused and, and uh, you know, more energized as ever to become a good running back. And if they can get the best out of on Johnson and have Swift there with that one-two punch, um, that's a pretty scary backfield. Um, I think I don't want to underestimate the Detroit Lions. Early last season, that team looked very, very, very solid. You know, they had the – I know it's a different defense now. They lost a couple players. But um, early on in that season, they were playing with a lot of heart. They were playing very gritty. They were a very physical team. Uh, you know, they are punching the ball out of wide receivers' hands, creating turnovers. Um, not, and then they had some things kind of fall their way. Yeah, Green Bay probably got lucky maybe once, maybe twice, um, you know, and, and they had some things happen. Uh, Matt Stafford got hurt, obviously, and things like that. So, yeah, it didn't, the season didn't end well, but I don't think this team was, you know, that far away from, from some of the top teams in the NFC North. You, they did, had some bad breaks. They weren't able to win some close games, but – um, like I said, I think they filled some holes. I like that Aquara pick. I think I, I was surprised he was even there. You know, every time the Lions picked, I was just like, man, they're really that was a good pick. You know, that was a good pick. I can't even deny um, what they're trying to do. That, like you said, that Cephas pick. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I was hoping Green Bay was maybe going to make a run at him. Obviously, from the University of Wisconsin, 
that was a solid pick and great competition. And just like Green Bay, man, the defensive tackle is the biggest question mark. Um, they lost Max Harrison. They lost a couple other guys there. So um, you could say they had a really good draft, but they like like a lot of the teams have a good draft, but there's still questions. And I think, like you said, that's going to be the biggest question. If they can find some interior pass rush, um, I think that defense is going to look pretty solid. And, and um, with Matt Stafford coming back, if he's healthy and is able to continue his progression and be that quarterback we know um, he can be, I think this team is going to be – it's not going to be an easy game at all for any opponents playing this Lions team. They could potentially surprise some people. How about on the Minnesota side of things, Jake? Because I felt like their first two picks, they absolutely nailed. They filled immediate needs at the wide receiver and the offensive line positions. Uh, Stephon Diggs obviously leaving for Buffalo in the offseason. Justin Jefferson kind of fell into their lap. Ezra Cleveland was another guy, you know, a very touted uh, uh, offensive lineman that was still there, surprisingly, in the second round. And Minnesota didn't have to trade up for either of those picks. And obviously their offensive line is still going to be the biggest uh, question mark for them. That was one of their weak points last year. And they're going to have kind of a revolving door of guys unless – somebody shines in training camp this year uh defensively i know that they lose quite a few players are gonna have to reshuffle that defense but mike zimmer's always known for having good defenses i'm not as worried about that as the offensive line but yeah i i really feel like minnesota had the best draft at least to fill immediate needs i feel they had the best draft of any divisional team yeah man that is a scary draft class they're bringing in just the amount of solid and value value picks they had uh they brought in a lot of guys not only in that first round i mean they did exactly what i wanted green bay to do in their draft you know justin jefferson is going to be a very very good receiver um in the nfl i think he has uh, a lot of good traits about him um in big games he steps up you know and and raises his level of play and um, we saw it in multiple games last season he's sneaky fast i know he's not like the fastest guy but he plays faster than than uh than he gets credit for um then you like you said they they worked on that offensive line um I, I, you know getting jeff gladney i think he was a very solid pick i think he was one of the top uh dbs um and then they they doubled down on defensive back in that uh third round getting cameron dantzler who i was really high on who was um looked at as almost a first round pick a borderline first round pick when when uh, a few months ago, when all of this draft, you know, stuff started and people started really looking in, into the to the prospects, um, they get a guy like that. Um, later on in the draft, they get a guy <clears throat> from Oregon who's his name's Troy Dye, who's just a proto prototypical Minnesota Viking uh, linebacker, and they got him where I was expecting Troy Dye to go in the second second round, um, and I think they got him in like that middle middle round, fourth fifth round. Um, so that guy is, is similar to like an Anthony Barr. Um, a little bit undersized, but he's fast. He can fly around. He can make plays. He's, he fits that mold of like a an Anthony Barr or, or an Eric Kendrick. So I think that's just a, a very, very good pick um, there. I mean, just looking at how many picks they made, I mean, they they picked so many players and, and just got, you know, just amassed a lot of players. Hey, a um, uh, uh, value pick, I thought, was uh, getting your safety out of Michigan, uh, all Big Ten. Yeah. Is it Metalis? Is that how you say his name? Josh Metellus, yeah, yeah. at uh, number 205 in that sixth yeah. round. Um, and then you look at the pick directly after that, um, in the seventh round, pick 225, they got Kenny Willikis from Michigan State mm -hmm. at defensive end. I mean, I was surprised to see him on there. That guy's a high-motor type of guy. 
you know, will come in and camp and, and uh, you know, work hard. You're never going to have to, you know, talk about his effort or anything like that. That's a guy that I was in, in, in the seventh round you get a guy like that. If you go look back at his tape, he – <clears throat> he was a playmaker for Michigan State, you know, so they, they got a lot of value picks in the sixth, seventh round, a lot of guys that can do a lot of things. Um, defensive tackle in that fourth round at 130 out of Baylor, he's pretty solid. Um, got a nice edge rusher in, in the fourth round at 117 out of South Carolina, DJ Wanham, who's a pretty good player. Ezra Cleveland, like you said, that guy was looked at. Some people had him going in the first round um, as at an offensive tackle. They got him at pick number 58. I mean, you got to just you got to tip your hat to what what Minnesota did, and not only that, they set themselves up to pick a bunch of players next uh, uh, next draft too. Um, got a lot a lot of picks next year too. So if anything, you're bringing in a lot of guys. They didn't really have to mess with the undrafted free agents as much. They got the guys that they wanted to come in, the guys they felt felt bit uh, best fit their system, and now they just can go in and, and people can compete and they can find the best you know, the best roster they can. I, I think the, the Minnesota Vikings hit it out of the park in this draft. I tell you what, Jake, when you look at Chicago and what they did in this draft, you know, they made a few surprising picks. I don't think they were bad picks, but obviously the biggest need for them was uh, was safety going into it with HaHa Clinton Dix uh, departing that I thought they might have a shot at going for a safety, and their first pick didn't come until number 43 overall. And instead of going for safety, they opted to go with a tight end. They took Cole Komet, who was the first tight end off the board. You know, and I like him. He's a he's a fine pick. Uh, but I still think there are some needs uh, that are greater than that, especially on defense. And you think about that defense, Jake. I mean, they've been great for the last couple of years. But last year, they absolutely carried that Bears team. The offense just wasn't what it was last year as compared to a couple of years ago. Uh, so right now, they really don't have a starting safety alongside Eddie Jackson. They've got a couple of guys who've primarily been special teamers, a couple of veterans um, that are going to compete for that role. So unless they go out and they make a move in free agency, I'm a little bit surprised that they uh, they didn't spring for a safety in the draft. Um, to me, that's maybe my only complaint with what Chicago did. Yeah, um, Cole Komet in the second round, I think that was his best player available. Um, I was hearing that, that Chicago has 10 tight ends on their team right now. I don't know the truth behind that, but if that's the case, um, that's a lot of depth at tight end. Um, but Cole Komet, he has all the potential to be a really solid tight end. Um, talking, I, I was listening to a uh, interview with uh, Notre Dame's head coach Kelly talking about Komet, and he says he has all the tools, and he expects him to be a tight end similar to a Travis Kelsey, a a George Kittle. He has all the tools. He has the size. He has the speed. He has the hands. He can block. He can do everything. So um, they might have 10, ro- 10 tight ends on their roster, but they potentially drafted the best one in Cole Komet. And if you can get a weapon like that, obviously San Francisco, Kansas City were in the Super Bowl. They had the two best tight ends in the league. Maybe you make that connection. You know, Chicago said, hey, we can get our superstar tight end. Let's go and get Cole Komet. <clears throat> Maybe not the, the best, you know, obviously best need pick, but um, still a solid pick. Jalen Johnson out of, out of Utah I think is a really interesting pick. I think he has the potential to be really, really, really good, and who knows what their plan is with him. Um, he adds to that secondary. They're going to be able to move some guys around. We'll see what happens there. 
like you said, the safety position is a huge need. You got Eddie Jackson, who by all means is a, a one of top tier safety, but who are you going to pair with him? Um, does Jalen Johnson have the ability to go back and play safety? I don't really know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, they got a nice edge rusher in, in tri- uh, Gibson out of Tulsa. Uh, Kendall Vin- Vildor, Darnell Mooney out of Tulane. He's a speed receiver. You know, not guys that you really really know about. You're talking about guys out of Tulsa, Georgia Southern, Tulane, etc. Not a lot of guys that are big household names, but, you know, obviously guys that they did their research on, they feel are going to be able to come in and really help at different positions. But, but like every other team, uh, each team has, has a weakness. Each team has something that they can, they can upgrade, a position they can upgrade. And, and right now you have to say, yeah, that, that safety position is, is an, a position of what they have to look at. They have really good edge, edge rushers. They have Khalil Mack, who's going to help out that secondary. So um, I think they'll be fine. They bring in Nick Foles on offense, filled with that Mitch Trubisky. Um, character there. Who knows how that's going to turn out? Um, you know they're solid. They're solid. I I I I'd, I'd argue they had a worse. I mean it's tough because they they their draft makes sense. The Packers may not make as much sense. So you could argue who had the worst draft class. I don't think Chicago had that many picks. So they did they did good for what they had. So um, don't ever count on the Chicago Bears, especially when you bring in a guy like Nick Foles. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Nick Nick Foles start start a handful of games next season for sure. Um, it doesn't look like the Trubisky thing is working out. Um, so, as a Packer fan, I look at, at like this: Hey, we might have went up and got Jordan Love and really caused some turmoil, but you you guys went up and and traded in to get Mitch Trubisky. So <laughs> at least I can say that it's not that bad as bad as what Chicago did. So. Um, I had to sorry, sorry, sorry to the Bears fans out there. I had to remind you guys. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's we'll wait and see, man. I think they did did decently. I wouldn't say it was a home run draft, but they but they did all right. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you here in ESPN-UP. Glad to have you along this Thursday afternoon. We'll take our last time out. We'll have our question of the day. Plus, we'll switch gears a little bit and talk some basketball next on ESPN-UP. Dave's Collision in Ishpeming specializes in scratch and dent repair as well as other major collision repairs, including metalwork, painting, and collision-related mechanical work. Dave's uses quality Exalta paint to ensure a clean, shiny, color-matched finish. With over 26 years of experience, Dave, with the help of his qualified staff, has the knowledge to restore your vehicle the pre-accident condition. Make the right decision. Choose Dave's Collision. Call 485-1211. That's 485-1211. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Store or Google Play. Tanner Hoops with you here on Thursday afternoon. We're joined by Jake Duran out of Local 3 Sports. Kind enough to give us his time here on ESPN-UP. Jake, before we talk a little bit of basketball, I want to get your thoughts on the Last Dance documentary. First, we take a look inside what was formerly known as the Hat of Content. I think we're kind of rebranding it now that St. Patrick's Day is well in the rearview mirror and looking at our question of the day. So I've got our question here. If you could spend the day with one college mascot, who would it be, and what would you do? One college mascot, huh? You get your choice of one college mascot to hang out with. Mm. I mean, 
You know what? I The fan in me wants to say the leprechaun, but you know what? I've actually met the Notre Dame leprechaun, or at least one of them. People don't always know that there are actually three different students that uh, rotate between being the leprechaun. I've actually met one of them. Uh, and you know, I met him once when I was in South Bend. He was in the he was in the gym playing basketball, and I met him. And you know what? He's fine. But I'm probably gonna pick one of the animals. You know, one of the 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 actual non lifelike animals to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that uh, that that duck they have down there in Miami. He seems fun. Yeah. Uh, the, um, the Oregon I, duck. I might maybe? do a cut. Yeah, the Oregon Duck is pretty. You know, he's a little energetic. He, you know, obviously um, brings a lot to to that. I mean, he's he's a face of of the team. This might be a little bit of a cop out for me, but I'm gonna have to go down to to Georgia, man. Ah, uh, go with Ugga. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go hang out with with uh, the Bulldog down there. Um, huge fan. I'm actually um, working towards potentially getting a new. A new dog. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of bulldogs and things like that. So, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna go down and hang out with 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 the bulldog man. I could do a lot of things with with him. Um, you, you know that bulldog has that. its own like private plane to fly to games and everything. Yeah, man. I mean, if you're, I mean, if if you're a bulldog and and you want to do one thing in your life, you got to try to get to the University of of Georgia <laughs> and and try to. Do, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Do they have like, like how do they find that bulldog? You know, obviously right. a dog's lifespan is is shorter, so they have to keep bringing in a new mascot. But I want to know how the the process of of finding the perfect bulldog to be their mascot. I want to know what's what's behind that thought process. You know, because they're on like their 11th. Like this is like Ugga the 11th or something. I mean, they've had like 11 different live bulldogs serve as the University of Georgia mascot. But put that on the poll, Guillermo, is the pinnacle for the life of a bulldog to be the University of Georgia mascot. I'm, I'm kind of wondering, do they do it like the royal family? Is yeah. it like a bloodline of dogs? Are you born into it? You know, it's, it's interesting. Oh, uh, shoot. No, that, I, I like that choice with Ugga, especially if you think about getting a dog. You think about getting a bulldog? I am. Um, actually, me and my girlfriend, Laura, are looking into potentially, uh, at some point, um, getting a dog. And we're just trying to look at what breed would be best for us. Um, I've just always been a huge bulldog fan. Um, you know, I just love the way, the way they are, the way they look, um, and things like that. So, um, she's more interested, she, you know, she, uh, likes pit bulls. And I know there's a lot of, uh, things surrounding that dog choice and things like that. I think they're very lovable, lovable animals. If you raise them right. Um, um, I like, you know, huskies and things like that. These are all like very energetic dogs. That's more of a dog that you need to obviously bring outside and, and get exercise and things with. Um, I'd love to find a, a companion that wants to run trails with me, be out in nature, um, and things like that. Um, so still looking into the right breed for us, but a bulldog, I've always just been, I just love the wrinkles. I love the face. Um, I love the little stubby legs and things like that. And, and the way they can not breathe, I guess, correctly. I mean, I just love everything. About, I just love everything. About, I just think it's cute, man. So um, I, I, that's why I, I chose the bulldog. All right. So Ugga from Georgia would be Jake's choice. Um, I'm still thinking what, you know, if I could hang out with a mascot which one would I pick? Um, you know, some of those like people mascots, like the this might sound weird, Jake, but like ones that represent humans, kind of like 
uh, Herbie the Husker, you know, the University of Nebraska mascot. Probably, I, I probably wouldn't hang out with him. He kind of scares me. Uh, Brutus the Buckeye, I mean, maybe, but no, he doesn't quite move the needle for me. Uh, this is going to, this is why it's going to sound weird is because I might reverse course of myself to hang out with the Providence Friar just because it's so creepy looking. Uh, that, that mascot really is the most terrifying that I can think of the Providence Friar. Uh, yeah, maybe I'd hang out with him. I don't know. I'm still, ah, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, man. Um, definitely would be interesting to hang out with. You know, Sparty would be the Sparty oh, mascot. that's a good one. Pretty cool. Yeah, yep. Sparty Just because be he's fun. very legendary. I'm, and, and this is coming from a University of Michigan fan, I think. Um, you know, that that's a very uh, well-known, well-renowned mascot. I would like to take him down, man. I'd like to, you know, let's, let's get down. in the ring, Sparty. <laughs> so you would hang out with Sparty just to fight him? Yeah, man, I would. I would try to. I would try to do it, man. I. I, I think those muscles. I, I don't. They don't scare me, man. They really don't scare me. I think it's a front. Oh shoot! I. Uh, I could say Wildcat Willie. You know, if we want to go here with. Uh, with Northern Michigan, I've hung out with Willie quite a bit, though. So, you know, I might go with somebody that I've never hung out with before. Uh, my college mascot was a beaver back in Northwestern Iowa, and I've hung out with him plenty of times. I don't need to hang out with him anymore. Um, I might pick Goldie Gopher up in Minnesota. You know, he, he he'd be someone I you know might hang out with. Yeah, he seems like a, a nice a nice mascot. Um, Mascots are crazy, man. I don't know. There used to be a show called Mascot that I used to watch, and it went behind the scenes with with the people who who actually you know are a mascot and do that as a as a job. And um, those guys take it very seriously, man. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very serious profession, and it's it's something that they are prideful in. So um, you know, you got to be energetic. The suits are hot. It's not always fun, but um, if you're in one of those suits, man, it's crazy. I tell you what, uh, what what is the name of the husky up at up at Michigan Tech? What's his name again? Um, I just know him as the husky man. I, <laughs> I don't even know. What I can't think is. of it off the top of my head what the uh, the mascot's name is up at Michigan Tech. Regardless, you know, I'm, a, I'm a northern I'm a northern Michigan alum, so we just kind of just, that's just the husky <laughs> up there, you know. Whatever. It's it's that husky up north. No, shout out Michigan Tech, man. <laughs> I tell you great what, school, great athletic program. Um, in lieu of time and an interest of time, what have you, uh, I did want to talk about the Last Dance documentary because we got episodes three and four last Sunday. We have five and six coming this Sunday. And uh, the past episodes focused mainly on Dennis Rodman and the Bad Boy Pistons and the Chicago Bulls rivalry with them. And, man, I tell you what, Isaiah Thomas, uh, and he's he's beloved around here because certainly we have a lot of Piston fans being in Michigan. Uh, but, man, he's not loved anywhere else. And he's certainly not loved by the Bulls, and they don't have that uh, that chival, you know, uh, civil, civil, what am I looking for, Jake? Uh, civil. Chivalry. Something like that, something. uh, They're not civil with each other is kind of probably what I'm trying to say. Um, So Isaiah Thomas played the villain role so well. Those bad boy Pistons, they were the villains of the NBA back in the day. You know, unless you were a fan of the team, they played that villain role really well. And Isaiah Thomas was the four figure. You know, they were the Legion of Doom 
the the Chicago Bulls were the super friends and Isaiah Thomas was Lex Luthor here if we want to use that kind of analogy but man he was such a special type of player in the sense that he was the villain but he was so good and it makes me think Jake do we have a modern day cop do we have anybody in the NBA that plays the villain role like Isaiah Thomas does because I I've been thinking about this and I can't think of anyone off the top of my head I mean maybe the closest that comes to it that had his level of uh, skill but yet could make people despise him if you had to play against him maybe Kevin Durant but I don't think Kevin Durant kind of plays that that role as well as Isaiah Thomas does yeah, um, it, it, it's tough because, like you said, Isaiah Simmons or Isaiah Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah uh, Thomas, you know, he was such a good player, and and we haven't seen a lot of guys come in and, and be able to to play as as good as as, as Thomas it was. Um, you know, he he was able to obviously be a good defender, but he, he could get to the rim. He's a great finisher. Um, he was a great player, and I, yeah, I mean, it's tough because. You just don't see players like him in in today's NBA. There's not as not as many players with edge who who you know uh, carry themselves in that way. A lot of the great players today kind of just you know they're just they just do their thing on the court and they're not as as in your face as, as he was. So um, yeah, I mean it's 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 tough to think, and I can't think off the top of my head really anyone who who carries themselves like he did on the court, but also had that skill level. Um, as, as obviously one of the greatest to ever do it, man. So, um, yeah, I can't really think of somebody. He was, he was definitely a one-of-one one type of player. Um, you know, you're talking about a player who was able to take down Jordan. He was able to take down, you know, Larry Bird, take down Magic Johnson. Um, you know, I don't even know if there's a lot of players who can say they were able to run that gamut and, and be successful. So um, Isaiah Thomas, he gets criticized a lot outside of the city of Detroit. Um, because he was kind of the face of the, the Pistons' bad boys, and and during that time, that's the type of you know environment they built there in Detroit. They wanted it to be the villain. They wanted to be the bad boys. Um, and now it seems like the, they spent a lot of their time presently trying to defend what what their actions were. I'm I'm a huge Detroit Pistons fan. Uh, my favorite team in the NBA. Um, obviously, a huge uh, fan of the bad boys era. Uh, but I feel like some criticism that Thomas gets he deserves because of the way they carry themselves a little bit. But at the same time, I think a lot of it's overblown as well. So um, I kind of just walked the line there. Um, I, I think Isaiah Thomas was a great player. Um, and like, like going back to your original question, I don't know. It's going to be hard to find someone who could, who could be hit that whole package that Isaiah Thomas was. And you think about that team, and there just really is no cop for Isaiah Thomas, for Joe Dumars, for Bill Lambeer. Uh, Lambeer might be my favorite of the Bad Boy Pistons. Uh, and it's for more than just the fact that he went to Notre Dame. I tell you what, Jake, I really would love to you know, talk about this, go even more in-depth with this. Unfortunately, we're out of time. But it's always good having you here, my man. Anything that's coming up at Local 3 you want us to be aware of? Um, you know, we're we're definitely covering a lot of the national stuff and the progression of sports returning and things like that. Um, we're starting a new thing, a new series called the Senior Spotlight. Um, I've been collecting a lot of information on seniors from all, uh, all the sports teams across the UP. Um, and each, we're going to try to do it as often as we can. It's not going to be a daily thing, but throughout the summer, we're going to spotlight a different senior from, you know, all sorts of teams um, and, and give them credit where credit's due. 
they were unable to have their season, so we want to give them as much shine as we can. Um, I'm going to be interviewing a lot of these seniors. Um, it's not going to be just the big names that you you already know, but we're going to try to dive deep and 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 learn about some some of the senior players that you know are not as highlighted or not as talked about. So um, we're going to bring them on, talk about their accomplishments, um, their future plans, and things like that. And it's just a good way to to shine some light on some great athletes who unfortunately won't be able to finish their careers the way they wanted. So um, look for that. And like I said, that we're going to try to do it as, as often as we can. It might not be a daily thing, but with, with sports content lacking, we'll, we'll do it a lot. So um, definitely tune into that. And then go to our website, upmatters.com. We'll have a tab, a senior spotlight tab, where you can kind of revisit every, every player that we went in, in spotlighted. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you again. Be sure to check that out with Local 3. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. I'm back on tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope you join me. Until then, for Jake Durant, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for tuning in to ESPN-UP WZAM Ishpeming Marquette.